Graphic Nature acknowledges the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, the traditional custodians of the land on which we record the show and pay our respects to the Elders past, present and future and extend that respect to other Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who may be listening to this podcast. Due to the graphic nature of this program, listener discretion is advised. Fighting for what's right, for justice, that's what a hero does. It is my opinion, without any reasonable doubt and without any reservation, that comic books are an important contributing factor in many cases of juvenile delinquency. Comic books are pure evil. Satan himself condemns our children to the fiery depths of hell. How a particular tale can come to life in the mind of a reader is endlessly fascinating to me. We have found that all comic books have a very bad effect on teaching the youngest children the proper reading techniques. This balloon print pattern prevents that. I am not a villain. I am a victim. A victim of a society that tortured me. Vengeance will be mine. Will be mine. Welcome to Graphic Nature, a fortnightly podcast exploring the inspiring world of comic books, the culture that supports it, the creators, publishers and people behind the printed pages and digital screens pushing the medium on into the future in Australia and the world. I'm Zoran Ilyevsky and on this episode we're joined by Bernard Callio, storyteller, curator, I should say creator as well as curator, <laughs> lecturer, commentator, performer and Platinum Ledger Award winner. Zoran, g'day. Welcome to the show, mate. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, now let's uh, let's start off with uh, how how did you come into comics? Like what you know? And I'm saying let's go deep. Let's yeah, go. you're going all the way back. All the way. Let's start at the beginning. This is, this is my origin story. Yeah. Man. Well, my origin story is that I got uh, bitten by a radioactive uh, <laughs> copy of Tintin. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. A, I wasn't expecting that. So. <laughs> now, my mum took me up to the uh, Northgate uh, Library, mm-hmm. which at that time was and 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 still is a beautiful old bu- white building at the top of Rucker's Hill, top mm-hmm. of our, the hill where we lived. Um, and down in uh, in Westgarth in in Melbourne, which is where my dad was the pharmacist mm-hmm. uh, in that um, little group of shops there near the Westgarth Cinema, and uh, Mum, who had uh, read us a lot, or me, and but also my uh, brothers, uh, a lot of uh, picture books as kids. So we mm-hmm. were we were very um, where the wild things are sort of yep. lads. Um, Took me up to the library this day, and uh, it's no longer in this in that location next yeah. to the Northgate Town Hall's moved. Um, but it's it is what I found out uh, subsequently is it's Andrew Carnegie Library. Yeah, right. So the great mm, what do you call it? Rich, rich person uh, Andrew <laughs> Carnegie, who made because that's who they usually <laughs> name buildings after, isn't it? <laughs> In fact, rich white man, I think, is the is the, is the <laughs> that, technical that's term. exactly who they name buildings after. Yeah. So this particular rich white man did this thing where he said, "Oh, you know, people, everyone, you know, everybody should have a library." Mm-hmm. So yeah, he went building libraries around the world, like Johnny Appleseed, but he was John, Johnny Library Seed. <laughs> and um, so anyway, that, that it's a very beautiful building. But uh, Mum gestured me into the corner uh, yeah. where the kids' books were, but I found this particular. Uh, book which so I'd never seen look and I really don't know whether this is now just totally retroactive origin storytelling yeah. but I reserve the right to do that absolutely it's your story com- it's my story but also that that's what comics do all the time every year Spidey mm-hmm. gets a new a revamp of, of you know every so this is like me as a 51 year old going <laughs> I'm going to re- return to that story I'm going to make the comic book radioactive I'm going to get my mum uh, throwing me into the corner shut up and read some um, but uh, yeah my uh, the, the, certainly the significance of Tintin mm-hmm. and Asterix, but more Tintin. Yeah, I was more of an Asterix. Yeah, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, certainly, uh, yeah, certainly later when my first collaboration was with a was with a guy who was much more a, a, an Asterix guy. So mm-hmm. we'd have you know arm wrestles and yeah, you know, put, uh, throw you across the floor. But yeah, but uh, but Tintin, you know, for me remains, uh, you know, um, the Torah, you know, the sort of the biblical sort of yeah. um, uh, referent. Of comics and uh, and so then those books and and for me it's very important that those books were hardback, yep. you know, so that the actual physical format of them uh, was I reckon significant and has formed certain 
mm, predilections, ideas, desires about what form uh, books that I produce mm-hmm. should take or, or the sort of books I like to pick up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that, that, so that was the, that was the origin um, story for me, at least as, as I've reconstructed it yeah. over, <laughs> over the years. But actually, interestingly, next to those books, next to Tintin and Asterix was other books which were illustration not heavy, but the Moomin Troll books by okay. Torva Janssen, who's a Finnish um, writer-illustrator. Mm-hmm. Uh, books by a guy called Arthur Ransom, who's an English uh, writer. These are all 20th century yep. folks, all dead now. Yep. Uh, and he did uh, Swallows and Amazons, Swallowdales. So it's uh, the Moomin Troll books is a series of books. The Swallows and Amazon books is a series of books. And then there was a series of books, the Adventure books by Willard Price, Guerrilla Adventure, South Sea Adventure, Caribbean Adventure. don't know if that's actually a one. But, but all those books were, it occurs to me now, they're all series. Mm-hmm. They're all black and white illustrated. Um, and they were all books that I went back to and poured over again and again. Um, and so in my imagining of where my interest, uh, desire, drive mm-hmm. for comics come from, they've certainly, it's certainly located in that. I can really still see the, the, um, the shelving in that library, yeah. the, you know, that, thing that we often talk about where comics are sort of locked into this child moment and and their generative power comes from and i think it's about you know we get trained certainly in the west to be very logo centric very word worshippers of the word but but when you're a a, a kid you're reading every you know you're trying to work out what these little sprinklings of ants are that mm. adults seem to love so much. But <laughs> That's a nice way of putting it. <laughs> but you're really going, whoa, I love that elephant. Yeah. Or, you know, so um, I think you're at that period as a kid where that reading hasn't been sort of really directed yeah. uh, very much to words. So, yeah, so, so what am I saying? I don't know, something about, yeah, the formative that formative period of words and pictures and the flow between them, the passing of meaning from one to another. Yeah, I, I when I started, it was more so... Uh, th- there was a lot more asterisk stuff in my primary school library. Yep. Uh, but I started... There was a, the, the, the Scholastic... Ashton Scholastic, I think it was. There yep. was a program. And uh, Garfield and um, that kind of stuff, that's what got me. So they're, what, they're the ones that you could order? The, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a lunch order. Yeah, like a lunch order for books. Yeah. And I used to pour over them yeah. and as a kid and and uh, I loved them. Uh, but I think by the time I hit my teens, I kind of – I still held them in, in high regard. And I think it was – yeah, I was in my teens or early teens when Batman, uh, the Tim Burton version came out. Ah, and yeah. uh, then I just – that's when, you know – by that stage, it was a little bit of Garfield. Uh, some, you know, some fam relatives bought me like a Mandrake comic, yeah. a Phantom comic, but they, they were the, the Australian collections. Yeah. They were kind of the weird, um, you know, yeah. six by nine kind of format-ish, yes. if you want, you know, ratio yes. format. And, so so uh, that, that landscape. Yeah, landscape. Sorry, yeah, yeah, I should have yeah, just yeah. said that. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, and I just kept rereading them yes. over and over again and, and the Garfield books I would just pour through. I think that's extremely important, this rereading yeah. thing. That, and what what is it that – and I don't know. It's a mystery. But, but, but that sense, certainly for children, repetition as we both – well, you know, as you know, as as we humans, yeah. But 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 for kids particularly, particularly you yeah. know, it's it's going back and and loving the that's that curve of Charlie Brown's nose, mm. or you know, that sort of that really, you know, give it to me again. You know, I want to hear it again. I want yeah. to see it again. I think also, I, I suppose, from my perspective, uh, it may have also been uh, a financial decision. Let's say I was ten or eleven or twelve, yeah, yeah. and. Um, you know, mum and dad wanted me to, you know, read your books yes. and do your homework. Yeah, yeah. But all I wanted to do was read comics. Yeah, and yeah. I reread them over and over again because every time a comic came up in one of those catalogues, you'd go, oh, I want that one. Ah, yeah, you, you, yeah, know, yeah. Oh, you know, it's like a, a wish list. Yeah, and yeah. you'd put it in and go, yeah, I want that one, I want that one. And then you go and try and convince your folks and you're like, I'm not spending money on, <laughs> on, comic, you know, on comic books, on drawings. Um, <laughs> and so I've spent my entire adult life 
uh, yes. you know, buying comics. See, all of us are formed <laughs> by those childhood years one way or another. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, I have fond memories. And interestingly enough, like you said, you remember the, uh, the shelving of the library. I only ever remember the books like I, yeah. I, I, it was almost like a tunnel yes, vision. Yes. All I remember is reading the actual comics, yeah. and that's kind of where the world and some of those memories. That's all that is. It's just the book and yeah. the comic, and so getting lost in them was yeah. was an amazing experience for me. Yeah. And that kind of led into my late teens, not necessarily early teens, but it bled in over over a long period of time. And I think by the time I was like eleven to twelve, it was like, you know, finding Transformer comics at. The, at the local news agent yep. that blew my mind yep. and then a couple of years later finding you know the direct to market comic book shops which yeah. was like it was like finding yes finding heaven yes yes it, it is the it is the aladdin's cave <laughs> you, you, you're, you're joking right there is a place actually <laughs> devoted to what i'm devoted to yeah it's, it was kidding it's quite an amazing yes. experience and and it doesn't matter like i mean you walk in there uh, well, I did anyway, uh, walking into some of the shops and just, uh, I think about it now and I'm like, oh, there was cracks in the walls. <laughs> there was, you know, there was some surly people behind the counter, <laughs> you know, um, marred, by, marred by history. But, but that, that initial, you know, shock of walking in to yeah. a shop and just going, I cannot believe this place exists. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah, so it's, uh, I, I, I completely agree. And as do most people, I find it interesting uh, that most people that I've been interacting with, particularly a lot of the younger kind of cartoonists and comic creators nowadays, not many of them kind of read or have read from an early age or there was like a, a small part of their life when they were really young and then they kind of, it just kind of disappeared from their, hmm. from their uh, let's say, day-to-day life yeah, 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 for yeah. many years and, and yet I talk to them in their adult life and they're creating comics and yes. that blows my mind yes yes yeah yeah how was it how did you make the uh transition from uh, reading as a young man uh, into to yes tra- that's that's a good question i think it happened because uh i i reckon i, I think it was uh, seeing star wars when i was nine so mm-hmm. i star wars came out when i was nine and that, and that's sort of you know, in a, in a way, a, a terrible tragedy because one is the most vulnerable to Star Wars as a nine-year-old. <laughs> at, at, at that age, absolutely. It just went, it just absolutely, you know, transformed my, basically it transformed my religion. So before yeah. then I'd been a, a, you know, a, going to church and being a Christian and blah, blah, blah with, <laughs> with my family. And I just went, I flipped. I just went, okay, now it's now it's Jedi. Day. You know, <laughs> and, and not consciously, but I, I ne- look back now and I just went, that, belief system has a lot of stories and some of them are pretty fine but this is such a better story mm. and yeah. it has a belief system and a system of you know, has everything has everything so yeah. i can just push out the old in the, this was so instead it started i've become star warsian or whatever that was and then the I, I hadn't read comics for a while but then i discovered at a news agent i believe in malakuta on a holiday holy <gasps> moly Star Wars comics. Oh wow! Are you kidding? <laughs> that must have blown your mind. Oh my god! These I don't have to wait for five years. <laughs> this is this is what's happening to, I suppose, to the saints in mm. a in a way. You know, they're like iconic. You know, stories of the saints. Yeah. Uh, you know, if we're translating it into that sort of almost yeah. para-religious sort of thing. So, well, that, it's kind of become that yeah. over time. Anyway, now, yeah, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> it's, it's worrying now, but uh, it's, it's got even the trappings of religion with you know, like all the money and, mm-hmm. and you know, the, yeah, the, the banal bit. storytelling. Yeah. <laughs> let's continue. Anyway, let's continue, shall we? Um, uh, but so, and that was what because I was then looking for back issues, and that is what trans me to well in my, in my day Minotaur mm-hmm. but simultaneously where many memories have, have formed have been from formed. a lot of people I've spoken to yeah yeah years. yeah uh, and then and then I discovered Triple R and then heard David Vodica doing doing his show here so talking about comics on radio and that would have been Danger Lowbrow Danger Lowbrow yeah, with Leapster and, uh, yeah. yeah. 
and just that was astonishing as well. And so, of course, that also led me to reading Fox comics, mm-hmm. and then that was the local uh, anthology produced by David and uh, Philip Bentley. That's and, right. Yep. Uh, and and coming out really coming out of Minotaur, like mm-hmm. the people who were make behind that book were, were workers at Minotaur and. But really, of course, it was the great year of 1980. But I wasn't making stuff. It wasn't until the year 1986, uh, which was beautifully simultaneously my first year at uni, mm-hmm. um, where and that's the Annus Mirabilis of comics, where you get Mouse Book One, Watchmen, and The Dark Knight Returns all coming out in that year, and really changing. Yeah, an era of comics that still to this day rings yeah. distantly yeah. Uh, or quite up close. And interestingly, uh, Alan Moore, the writer of, of The Watchmen, yeah. still can't believe the relevance of his own work yeah, yeah, yeah. all this time later. And disavows it. <laughs> and disavows it, that's right. <laughs> Probably more amazingly than... Uh, <laughs> um, but um, so so that I reckon that that was a crucial transition for me because I think probably at that point I speculate that the stuff that I was reading was not so great and mm-hmm. I was growing out of it yeah. and then there were these call to, calls to arms um, and at that time I was doing a lot of theatre I was at Melbourne Uni not studying at all but just spending all my time on stage with people who I was you know being friends with and falling in love with and making shows with and I think at that point I realised well, if you can make theatre, like you can just do it, well then, an even greater art form, comics, mm-hmm. you should just be able to do them. Yeah. And at that point, I'd started doing life drawing classes because I couldn't really draw yeah. and realise that, of course, the human body is the, is the base unit of, of comic books, which explains, of course, why the two great forms of comic books are superheroes and pornography <laughs> because they just show naked human bodies That's right, yeah. cavorting in space yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and met a guy at, at one of these life drawing classes um, my great mate Tolly and um, out of basically conversation basically friendship basically love we just went oh man you know like some people would start a band yeah we started making comics together because it, w- it was a way of spending time together. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's how it started. So I, I didn't start making comics till I was about 18 or 19. Yeah, well. Yeah. And, and that was quite an instructive time because really we were in a little bubble, really. We just thought, man, this is the first Australian comic that's ever been made. <laughs> Not really, but sort of. <laughs> yeah. And then that comic, which we thought would you know, sell a million and, and, you know, and, and you know, sold 10, but what it operated as was a passport. Yeah. I was like, whoa, oh my God, we're everywhere, you know. Um, and so, yeah, that was, a, that, was very, that was very significant, making that comic and learning how to do it and that sort of thing. And learning more than how to do it, I think, learning what interested us to do. And that was to go into the city, draw buildings live, like, you know, and, and go, what would happen if a statue jumped, that statue there? left down oh well then our main characters would have to you know blah 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 Mm -hmm. so it was sort of improvised in a way yeah yeah yeah. but it was that so that's where it started making making them yeah Um, about 99 must be earlier than that 1988 89 something like that yeah and you've got a copy of that somewhere stashed oh they're all they're all like boxes holding up <laughs> holding up beds and you know, threatening threatening to crush us in our sleep <laughs> uh yeah so this yeah uh well yeah hang, hang on to a few just to, just in case yeah just in case that's right <laughs> and uh, what was the title of it it was called yeah it was a terrible title it was called yell y-e-l-l olay O-L-E. Yellow lay. Exclamation mark. <laughs> Terrible. Like, there is not a better. I've, I, I've looked. There's not a worse named comic. Uh, yeah. And yeah. I'm going to have to take your word on that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I, so it's called, it's called Yellow Lay. And that's because one of the characters' names was Yell. And, and the other character's name was, was Olay. <laughs> really. And then Yell. Inspired, Bernard. Well, inspired. 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 <laughs> Yell is like the end of Tolly's name backwards. And Ole is the n- end of my name backwards. Like that's, 
That's, you know. That is genius. That is, that is genius. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, a, I mean. It was, know. actually. <laughs> it is, it is. It's, Look, it is. What, I think what is, whether it's genius or not, what is, what is beautifully, uh, you know, looking back at that young man from the distance of 30 years, what is, I think, unavoidable about comics, possibly all art, probably all art, is that you put yourself into it mm. all the time, mm. all the time. And, and the more of yourself or the truer amounts of yourself in, in it, the better it gets. So, yeah. so, you know, Peanuts is about Charles Schultz. Even uh, Tintin in Tibet, which is my favourite Tintin book, you know, this is the, the low point of Hergé's life. You know, he's feeling dreadful. Uh, he's breaking up with his wife. He's having this clandestine affair. He's feeling like there's too much work for him to do in the in the Tintin world, and he's troubled or tortured really by dreams of whiteness. The blank page. The blank page. He's terrified by them. And somebody, the ex-wife, the girlfriend, the psychologist, somebody says to him, "You need to put that into the book." And, of course, it's Tintin in Tibet. So there are these great ice plains, uh, snow, snow fields of Tibet. And so what you see in that book, and it's a beautiful book. You know, he, gets a, he, is, he is reunited with his young friend Chang, who he first met in The Blue Lotus. And that's really, The Blue Lotus is the first book in the Tintin series where, where Hergé actually grapples with another culture like there's a lot of chinese uh, uh language in in, the, in that book on the on the posters and stuff and uh he first yeah he first meets chang in that story now herge had actually met a person at you know in brussels called chang and this chang guy you know taught him all this chinese stuff then whatever it is 30 years later he's lost chang chang's gone back to China, he can't find him, you know. So that book is actually about finding Chang, actually about this heartbreak that's going on. Um, and I think because of, precisely because of the non-literal, in the sense of non-text nature of, uh, of comics, uh, it's like Pat Grant says, Pat Grant the Great, mm -hmm. Australian comic book maker says, that, that, that the creator of Blue. Of Blue mm -hmm. and, and of currently of The Grot, Yes. Two, two, oh, that's right, yes. two or three issues we've we've got out. He says that that pen in your hand is 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 a lightning rod. Really, it's a lightning rod for everything that's in you, all your feelings, or your or your thoughts, or your you know your energy. I love that. Mm. I love that idea. That and and so every waver, every you know, every every uh, every smile that you think that ah, oh, damn, that hasn't come out right. That character is slightly grimacing, you know. <laughs> You either rub it out or you go, you know, let it stand. See what, see where it, see where it takes yeah. this story. It's a very, because that picture has to be read. It has to be read. Uh, it's all, it's all information, and so, of course, it's information about the, uh, about the maker. Be it fault, you know, fault, full of fault or full of, you know, flash, clean. You know, it's a, it's all betraying. It's all speaking. It's all telling the story. Yeah, yeah. You're listening to Bernard Callio here on Graphic Nature, and uh, we'll be right back after this. Hey, thanks for listening. Hope you're enjoying the show. Uh, we are all over social media. Well, not all over it, but we've got a few. We've got Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please jump on Facebook and like us if you're enjoying the show, as well as following us on Instagram and Twitter. You can find all the details on the website graphicnature.media. Thanks very much. This has been a Graphic Nature public service announcement. And so all of the yellow LA. Yes. How much of that and the lessons you you learnt during that, how much of that has carried on through the years? Uh, um, certainly it, it taught me, because Tolly did the pencils, I did the inks. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I, got, I loved doing the ink. Loved, loved, loved doing the inks. Really, uh, because by the time you're doing the inks, of course, all the hard lifting is done. You've worked out the story. <laughs> you've done all the pencils. And in this case, of course, somebody else was doing those pencils, all the perspective stuff and yeah. the body language stuff. And, you know, as they say in Chasing Amy, you know. Uh, you know I wasn't going to go there. Inker, you're just a, tr you're just a tracer, <laughs> man. Tracer, tracer. <laughs> so I was very, very happy being the tracer yeah. uh, in that relationship and, and, um, and that creative um, partnership. And, and, and uh, 
uh, you know, we would just go to each other's places and put on a lot of U2. <laughs> <laughs> And and the Hoodangers and um, uh, Nick Cave and you know and just just draw draw our draw our hearts out really. Uh, so what what am I saying? What I'm saying is that that's one of the lessons of that time. Mm-hmm. You know that deep deep knowledge of if I can get this page done, then I am in this beautiful space where I can put on music because I can't yeah I can't do that writing stuff or the penciling stuff with other stuff going not really yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it needs i need all my i'm an old man i need all my all my um uh resources in mm. order to solve the problems that a page or a panel uh presents yeah i mean in my very very small foray of of working on on comics i've always gone up to the point just before penciling <laughs> and and i say that because uh, for me, it's the working out. It's the nuts. Oh, and I love it. Yeah, yeah. That's my favorite part. Yeah. Like once I've figured it all out, yeah. it's kind of like, oh, I could now. spend the next six months drawing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you kidding? <laughs> I could have Or, fun. you know, yeah, you know, I could I could do cool shit. Mm. But, um, mm-hmm. but uh, and not that drawing's not cool shit. I love it. I, I, I love the art. And, and for me, it's always been a really amazing meditative uh, experience drawing and you know whether it's the same eye for half an hour mm-hmm. making sure that it's you know the the reflection the yeah. little the window is facing the right <laughs> way and the eyes looking at the correct thing off panel yeah uh you know it's it's the the nuts working out the nuts and bolts has always been my favorite part mm. uh getting the story to work with the page layout yeah. and you know, so basically the breakdowns oh, yeah. are part of the equation where yeah. you go from script and ideas and sketches into okay how's this going to work yeah on a page mm-hmm. how does the page turn look? and and just even even an eight page yeah even yeah, an totally. eight page piece of work sure. or, or you know body of work can take up so much time and so much thinking he's yeah. like all right you know yeah. You're looking up in the top left, right hand yeah. corner of your face. You're yeah. going, okay, that panel goes there. Yeah. Uh, what's happening there? Yeah. That doesn't look right. Yeah. You can't open the page down there, there <laughs> like, a, like a Tetris sort of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Very uh, much, very much. I mean, I think I, I you know, teach in schools, talk, talk about comics in schools. I do want to talk to you about that. Yes, okay, cool. Yes. And, and I just say all the time, this is way more complex than reading a book. It's way more complex because you are put like comics. I say should come with an advisory sticker on the front that says "Some assembly required" because you're putting together the uh, the, the arrangement of the page and the double page spread, and then the information in the box, and then the, you've got to slot together, you know, uh, slot A into slot B to make a, a little world mm. out of yeah. And the size of the lettering, I, th- I think, you know, the simplest comic requires this enormous. Mental dexterity and skill and putting togetherness uh, on the part of the well, first of all, of course, the maker, but then then the reader as well. And so, I think you know, that's that's one of the my most fascinating things about well, what I found the most fascinating about comic books is not only from as you say from the creator's perspective, you've got to build everything and, and assemble it. Yeah. But then from the reader's perspective, there's so much that's not necessarily wanting from a creator, but you know, your the way that your mind or a human's mind works while reading a comic. I've always found the most fascinating yeah. thing because you're essentially, you know, it's uh, the the only way I've ever known to uh, to understand it was, and I think I may have even be pinching this from either Neil Cohn or Scott McCloud. Yeah. Um, you know, you're looking at a series of animations, so you get 24 frames per second. And in your mind, from the first panel to the second panel, your mind is now filling in all the blanks. And so what you're seeing is actual, actually uh, something in motion, mm. yet it's, it's as static as, as mm. it could be. Mm. And uh, for me, I think, you know, looking at it objectively from, let's say, a psychological point of view, it's, it's, it is mind-blowing. Mm. Just and then even within a panel, like if there's a, if there's a speech mm-hmm. balloon taking place, then logically or illogically or by some m- ma- measure of, of measurement, <laughs> that 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 image has to span the, the the speech balloon where that character is saying, you know, I once upon a time yeah. I lived in this very house. Like, but the people are all still. Yeah. So there's there's clearly an implied flexibility about that drawing 
which is asking us to you know move it across time you're not just saying here's some words and here's a picture you've got to mush them and make a, a dynamic squidgy sort of uh, hermetically sealed box of time space it's, it's pretty remarkable it's pretty remarkable mm. um it's pretty remarkable is that exactly how you would explain it let's say when you're when you're teaching when oh, you're teaching comics that sounds good <laughs> <laughs> well, you have my but, permission to use it <laughs> but but also but what that i mean i was teaching persepolis recently in a school mm-hmm. and so we were talking about the the um the uh, contrast between a, a, a panel where the teacher is talking to the kids and then a silent panel. And so then what you've, you know, what you have to bring to the silent panel is the previous panel where the talking is. So this little girl who's walking up between the desks to go up to the front of the desk to turn around and tell her uh, schoolmates about uh, the fact that her dad has died flying on a, pli- a plane mission. You know, so... Uh, all the information that leads up to that panel means that I, th- you know, I was saying to these, you know, we were discussing really, you know, how much time do we allocate or imagine or imaginatively lend yeah. to that panel of that little girl, whatever she is, seven years old, walking up, you know. So there's emotional uh, uh, mm-hmm. time, and yep. then there's the, you know, we may skip over that panel in. A millisecond because yeah. it's got no words in it but even if we do we are still designating it as a durational event within the the this two page or whatever it is sequence that we're assembling together in mm-hmm. our mind to draw and and de- depending on how invested we are in that's that that's that story you know we 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 are uh, yeah we we we, we designate those time durations accordingly or again i mean the word i keep coming back to is mysteriously because uh you know it's it's still such a young form in terms of study you know comic studies yeah. is all still pretty still pretty pretty new which is great because it's it's sort of fairly open open territory i agree with you and i've noticed that over the in my years of reading which is about 20 20 something years now uh i've noticed that more and more creators are now using that particular uh, storytelling method to convey things like uh, particular types of emotions. And I, I know when I've gone back and read stuff from you know, pre-80s, mm. it's very word-heavy, mm. very, very word-heavy. Mm. And there's no – whether it's the artist or the plot doesn't lend itself to breathe. Mm. And there's always like, let's pack up, let's mm. pack as much information in there as possible, sure. because we want to say that you know whether it was uh, whether it was um, complication of society, and it's like no, we we need to make sure that they look kind of educational, that, <laughs> that they're kind of like a book, you know, we're we're hiding behind the text and going, yeah, yeah, we're drawing, but you yeah, know, you, pl- don't worry, don't yeah, panic. Yeah, there's yeah, plenty of words all, in there yeah, as well. It's all good. It's all good. Do I mean, you do you think that's the impact of manga? Like manga clearly has is much more relaxed with. radically less language uh, or do you think it's something else I I think it's I think it's the the maturation of the medium I think over time what's inadvertently happened is the people who are who are gravitating towards comics as let's say a a medium or a field or even you know as a commercial uh, vibe uh, a viable commercial industry. Uh, people have been getting in there, and you know the the quality of the storytelling is getting better and better and better and better. As as with most things, you know, in sports, you know the games get more strategic. The players get um get a lot you know a lot fitter over time, and you know they're running back and forth across the field that you know people in the seventies or the sixties yeah, sure. would never have been able to do that amount. Of, they wouldn't have the stamina. And so I think that's kind of the same kind of thing that's happening in comics over time. Uh, you're having, you know, different influences from different art mediums and people then kind of coalescing them into their own work and then someone reading that mm. and in yeah. the future and co- or even harkening back and reading and going, oh, wow, that's really cool. I can incorporate that into my work this way. Mm. Uh, and, and I see a lot of that. And, and I, I don't – I'm not very well versed in manga as a as, – as a, as an offshoot of comics, well not offshoot, but as a genre of comics, mm. I suppose, I would say. Um, 
I think they have a lot to do with where a lot of comics are going, particularly art styles. And uh, I don't know how much the I don't know how big the correlation would be of uh, of the method and how they convey uh, particular types of emotion, particularly sadness and things like that. There, you know, they have. If I'm not mistaken, I might be talking out of turn, and for for that I I apologize. But they, you know, when they uh, they interpret emotions uh, in the physical drawing, so a character will ha- take on a particular type of expression and things like that. They have, I mean, they have a quite a. I mean, I, I'm not a great manga reader either, but they're certainly a quite a, a developed series set of signs, yes. re- recognizable. Yeah language visual language uh, in the conveying uh, emotion uh, you know anger or sa- yeah or sadness mm-hmm. or desire or you know there's a whole yeah, bunch of yeah i think the one thing that I, I was reading neil Cohn's book um which the the title is so long that it escapes me but he talks about the japanese language of 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 comics in that book it's a very dense read but it's 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 a great read even if you don't agree with some of his theories yeah, yeah. But at the end of the day, I think he talks about things like uh, a balloon coming out of the yeah, nose. Yes, yes. Depicts sleepiness. Yes, yeah. And like, <laughs> and when I first read that uh, or came across it, I was just like, how does that translate? A balloon coming out of a nose? Like my brain would go, that's just snot. It's like a, a bubble of snot. Yeah. But you know, it's because I'm looking at it from, you know, from 20 years of westernized. Yeah. You know, reading and formatting. And you can also tell there are certain certain manga books that I have enjoyed over the years, and mainly Blade uh, Blade of the Immortal, uh-huh. which was fantastic. But that was it was more akin to a yeah. westernized yeah, kind yeah, of story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, even even once they translated yeah. the 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 you know right to left and yes. then left to right yes. kind of, kind of um, pages. Yes, uh, it's still kind of, it was still very very but western. Yeah, I think those. That, you know those amazing books, which uh, uh, cross over. You know Akira, for example, mm-hmm. is very. You know it's very readable oh, by yeah. West Westerners. Uh, Tekon Kincrete, uh, which is a great comic book, and that's actually got for me really looks European. I mean, it looks like manga, but it's also got is very influenced by, as I say, European art style. Mm. So I, I love those ones. We, you know, or, or even um, uh, Scott Pilgrim, which is you know clearly you know that guy's Canadian, is he? Yeah. But he, you know, it's a, it's an incredibly manga sort of inspired. Yeah, yeah, exciting w- times. While we're talking about it, what are you reading at the moment? What am I? Uh, like, what's really kind of? Uh, let's let, let me let me ask that again. Yeah. What types of stories do you prefer? Wow. Ah. Uh, Gah. Uh, I would say at the, actually this year has seen me really return to cartooning of the early 20th century. Mm-hmm. So I got a book uh, um, for Christmas called um, The Goat Getters by Eddie Campbell. So Eddie Campbell is a great cartoonist. Mm-hmm. But really in this book, he's, he's looking at the great early cartoonists Tad Dorgan, Jimmy Swinnerton, my favourite, who is a guy called George Herriman, who did Crazy Cat, and really looking at the way that those cartoonists come off the, the sports pages in particular. So I suppose I'm in a bit of a bent at the moment going into the history of comics and particularly comic strips. What do I I, I... I do read things which seem to, t- to fall off the back of my son's trucks. Yeah, so right. uh, so I, I'm no longer a goer into a comic book shop and buy, buy stuff sort of dude. So uh, I will... Rem- Brandon Graham is a, is a particular fa- f- um, fan favourite at my house. Mm-hmm. So he did the comic book King City, mm-hmm. uh, which has a... It's a graphic novel. And uh, I, I really enjoy that, uh, as as do Joseph and Zebedee, my sons. Uh, they really put me onto that. Yeah, and, and I suppose I'm working at readings at the moment. That's my day job. Uh, and Ellie Jenkins, another cartoonist who also works there, uh, she curates the um, the graphic novel selection there. Nice. And it is nice. It's really nice. And what you were saying before about that broadening uh, of the form you know, it's it, the, that's the evidence of it is there on that on that on that stand, which has you know sort of the classics and and some superhero stuff, but uh, 
Yeah, I was looking at a crazy big format book the other day by a man called Ed Piscor, yeah. which was... Uh, is that the uh, fam- the hip-hop family tree? Or well, is that this is the... Um, the he's done one about the, Marvel, the X-Men. The Marvel X-Men, yeah. So there's another series that's coming out. So he's already done... I think there was like a two-part series, two part series, and now there's another one that's also centered on the X-Men, I believe. Yeah, incredible. Yeah. And that's beautiful to see that mashup of sort of much more indie-looking uh, books and the... the the iconic, you know, characters, storylines, settings. That well, those. I think you know Marvel and DC, the two big companies. Yeah, I think they're forced. They're forced to do this. Mm. You know, I'm seeing a lot more. Uh, I think DC still have kind of a more of a house style, but Marvel certainly has They're changed their art completely yeah. now. Yeah, wow. And you've got different different books look completely different yeah. to the other. And and you know they're still dealing with the same characters. Sure. It's still over. You know, the stories are still overarching. They're mm. still. Uh, everything bleeds into the other, but the art is completely different. That's exciting. Uh, and, and it's great. It's really nice to look at, particularly yeah. when you're looking at something so different. Yeah. And uh, like I say, you know, with the broadening of the medium, for me, the, the the best part is the types of stories that are being told and that it's changed over the last 15 to 20 years so much. And it can only be a good thing yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And I think I've already mentioned this, but I'm a big fan of the autobiography. Yeah. I think it's because I'm such a lame, straight person. <laughs> you know, everything's just, you know, you know, you know, the fucking, you know, 2.3 kids grew, grew up, you know, white Australia, everything's hunky-dory kind of thing. And, you know, reading these stories of people going through some harrowing situations sure. or, or through, you know, dealing with things from their childhood or from their adulthood and, and working things out. And they may not even necessarily be, you know, where they want to, but they're in a damn better place than they were when they, yeah. when they start the book. Yeah. Are so fascinating and yeah. amazing. And, and, and for me, and I think I've said this before, I certainly have said it to many people I've spoken to, I find that so brave. Yeah. It is one of the, the, the bravest things that any creator could do is put their – their thoughts and their their trauma on the page, mm. Mm. Uh, and I, you know I, I marvel at it every time, and mm. I'm probably going to say it a thousand more times. Yeah, no, 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 because uh, you'll you'll keep on. I think you know if if you return to something, you have to return to something, even if it's an inner, you know, you, you're you're discovering each time. I think that you iterate that, like the same, so like when you draw a character again and again and again. Mm. You know, it's you'll stop doing it if it you run it runs out of interest you know yeah. if it stops feeding you um what was i going to say there i was going to say that of course the great comic um, mouse is an autobiographical comic you know he's telling the story of With, himself yeah, when growing ta- up when he was talking you know in in that book specifically and i read that as an old i was going to say old man but i read that as a as a young man i worked in a comic shop for 15 years and i never picked it up until maybe the last two or three yeah and yeah. I was already hitting about maybe I was even probably well into my thirties maybe yeah. when I first read that book and I yeah. read them both so Mouse and Mouse yeah. Two and um, I bawled my eyes out when he was talking about his father um, passing away and 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 what he was what his father went through mm. uh, yeah it was his father yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah um, talking about you know all the stuff in the Holocaust now I'd seen movies before mm. about the Holocaust and. You know, I understood the trauma of it, but yet reading this comic book where you had, you know, you know the, the Jewish as as the mice and the Germans as the tigers and I can't remember the Russians. Are the Russians? Uh, uh, the Russians, but the, the Americans are dogs. That's and, right. And the French are the French are, uh, 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 were they frogs? frogs? I think so. I think and they and were the, frogs. the British are f- uh, a fish. <laughs> you know. And but it was amazing. Like I'm reading this thing, and I'm and I'm you know his father's recount. Well, he's recounting his father's recount of yes. what he went through in, yes. the, in the camps, and I'm just like, oh, I can't. But what am I doing? Yeah. Why, why are my eyes leaking? This yeah, is yeah, ridiculous, yeah. you know. And but it was it was so such a such an immense f- emotion to mm. feel while reading a book, mm. and so I think from since then, you know, it was it was uh, it was quite amazing. Yeah. To yeah. experience. And and that's, you know, I've always known that comics could do that. Yes. But up until that point, I yeah. never really understood it. And since then, I've read so much other stuff that akin to those types of stories. Yes. Where it, it is, you know, your heart bleeds yes. for the characters. For in the a stories. mouse on, <laughs> on, on on a page. Yeah. yeah. Or you know, or a, a you know a young boy who's in a coming of age story who 
you know, was abused or, yeah. uh, you know, uh, a young female who went through an eating disorder yeah. or, you know. Or, the, or um, you know, um, the Jeffrey Dahmer's friend, you know, who observes, you know, the serial killer as a, as a young man and just the, the sort of the the creepiness of um, is it uh, Durf Backdurf's uh, drawings yeah. uh, and and the sort of the the unsettling nature uh, of 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 that of that um, of that graphic novel yeah. uh, you know it's just it's 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 um, I think Robert Crumb really divined some uh, very uh, strong. Uh, signposts, I, I guess, for creators, you know, there when he went straight to the id, you mm -hmm. know, and he was just depicting, you know, in a sort of a still unflabbergasting, not unflabbergasting, it was flabbergasting, the, de the degree of rawness that he was, you know, prepared to draw, put on the page of like, this is, this is what's in here, flomp, yeah, it's, it, and, and, and uh, so that, that was, a, I think he, that, he broke, he broke, he broke, <laughs> well, he, he broke, broke something. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that, I mean, you know, you talking like that reminds me of Ivan Brunetti. Yeah. And for I mean, sure. I find for his sure. work incredibly confronting for me personally. Um, just the depictions and, you know, let alone the depictions of himself. Yes. In a lot of his work yeah. is just beyond, yeah. just beyond my, yeah. my scope of comprehension sure. sometimes because... Um, I think I read an interview in Comics Journal years ago, and I may even have a copy of it somewhere uh, at home, but it, there was a, it was a one-page panel, and he's just drawn himself over and over and over and over again in this, like, a mass, sadis, uh, sadomasochistic kind of version where in one... In one, he's masturbating while some while another version of himself is slitting his throat. Yeah. Versus, yeah. you know, it's just yeah. so full on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. yeah, it's just, and it's a comic book. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So that, that, don't they read the first word? It's God, supposed to be comic. Get, 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 God forbid that Darren Hinch ever saw that. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Well, this is why, of course, you know, Crumb never came to Australia. <laughs> you know, because he was gonna come. That's he was right. gonna come to Graphic, and then someone up there in, in Sydney, you know, some. Daily Telegraph person said, oh, we're, that's right. we're getting a pornographer to come to our country, you know. Um, <sighs> mm. <laughs> I, I have nothing to say to that. It's just, it's absolutely ridiculous. I, I, I've had conversations in the past around, you know, telling people about comics. and they go, Oh, aren't they for children? Mm. Aren't they for kids? And I'm sure everybody who reads comics as an adult mm. and understands that the medium is so much more than, it, than you know, even back then, even you know, even when I was a kid, even when you were a kid, mm. you know, the comics were so much more than mm. that, and now they're. But I would argue that they are still, and this is the tricky thing about comics: they are simultaneously for children, like not just the ones for children, but there is a that what they speak to inside of us is, you know, not the child within or anything no. like that, but 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 but. They speak to a way of apprehending narrative. Mm. So, you know, it's as though you, through your adult eyes and your adult apprehension, you are drinking deep of this mode of delivery of story, which you, there, there's, a, there's an openness in, 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 inside of you which goes, oh, yeah, give, it, give me a story in that way, yeah. through that mode. Tell me about incest and murder and you know and, and and holocaust but tell it to me through this way that that opens me up you know i i i think you know so there's the there's the rub i think of you know comics after kids uh, but, and, but and no and i understand and i in fact i probably would agree with you the idea that comics are essentially the oldest form yeah, of storytelling. Of course. Apart from song. Apart from song. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you. Uh, we were in a cave. Yeah. yeah. There's pictures being scrawled on a wall yeah. by the What are you thinking? You're person. thinking pictures. Yeah. You know, you don't think in words. Yeah. Well, although it's come to my attention that there are parts of the human uh, human race that only think in words or, or, or find it hard to think in pictures. Who? Well, I'm, I'm trying to remember the the logo centric. No, 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 no. I'm just try, trying to think of the word. Oh, See, you can't think of the word. This yeah, because I think in pictures. Because you think in pictures. <laughs> yeah, just draw it for me. <laughs> hang, on. <laughs> hang on, I'm just gonna I'm gonna uh, cheat and I'm gonna cheat and I'm just gonna look at. 
as as McLeod says and and other people say, I think you know we've got that that beautiful illustration of the beginnings of cartooning. I would call it visual communication. Who it is? So it is aphantasia. Aphant- well, aphantasia. Yeah, we see elephants a- everywhere. No, 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 not fantasia. <laughs> Aphantasia, A P H A N T A S I A. Now I've spoken with uh, Sarah Howell, who yes. I used to do a, a show. Well, this very yes, show, but indeed. on Triple R. Yes. Um, and we spoke a, a lot about this. Uh, I don't think we ever did it on air, but uh, but it's basically uh, people who can't formulate images in their mind. Wow. And the the definition that's up here is. Uh, most people can readily conjure images inside the head known as their mind's eye, but this, uh, but aphantasia uh, is the inability to visualise mental images. Blimey, Jakes. Yeah. Those poor people. So that is a thing. Yeah. I wonder how they go with reading comics. I suppose that's okay because well, well, the comics this, is on the, on the page. Well, you'd think that, but... but they, they, there's no receptor for it. They don't. See, they don't <laughs> fill in the gaps. So ah, the gutters pose a big problem because yeah. they look at it and go... What, what am what I reading? Yeah, what's what's in between? Yeah, but give them a book, and then bang, bang, no problem. But that, but but with a book, you're still making images it's, in your mind all the time. Well, this is the thing, right? So, as visual people, uh. we can't understand uh. how that works in their mind, uh. and so you need to, you know, only. Uh, only an aphantasic, I don't know if that's the, sure. the word the, for the, it. But, the actual, but, yeah, please, please yeah. don't burn down the yeah. building. <laughs> yeah, but uh, they, uh, they see things in a completely different way. And without image, it took me a long time to wrap my head around it, but Shh. there are people out there that can't do it. Pshh. Yeah. Wow. And you think, you think, how is it possible that you could read a comic? And yet, uh, when uh, I... For a long time, uh, I knew someone who would always look at me and go, comic books, what are you reading? That's garbage. What yeah. are you doing? Uh, and they're Pres- not understanding. President of the aphasic community. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, pretty much, pretty much. That's kind of how it worked out, <laughs> except for the president part. <laughs> but yeah, it was such a strange thing of coming to terms with, oh, okay, so that's why we don't see eye to eye on this mm. because mm. your mind works completely different. Mm. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty far out. That's pretty far. That's yeah, it's pretty, pretty far, far out. Pretty <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it's uh, you know that whole that whole aspect of of comics and and the way that you know people can associate with this childlike openness is is remarkable. And I do agree with you in that sense. Mm. Uh, I, th- mm. I think the other interesting thing about people's comic book stories is, especially in in in, in comic you know, memoirs, you often get uh, a kid who gets a whole bunch of comics when they are um, sick. Yes. So so the, the the parent or the carer brings them a whole bunch, a stack of Mickey Mouse or whatever, and and a few comic book makers make some mileage out of this idea that when you're sick, you're in this sort of feverish half-conscious, uh, um, liminal sort of mode of thinking and, and uh, that, you know, some of them talk about this space where, you know, you, you, you may be in the word of world, world of words by that stage, but because of this sort of uh, state that you're in, this sort of mixed up state, you mm-hmm. know, that they, they fuse somehow in some... Um, uh, That's interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so too. I know, I know, I know. Uh, an an old uh, teacher of mine uh, similarly went through. He was a very sickly child. Read comics. Read comics the rest of his life. Mm. Yep. I thought you were about to say read comics cured. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, well. I don't know, but yeah. but it it formed quite yes. a large part of his yes. of his um, vocabulary psych- yeah, as well. Yeah, very smart man. World. You know, and and I've often I've often advocated for. Uh, comics to be able to teach people and and actually going back to what I wanted to say earlier is mm. that openness of the medium to be able to in fact impart information to anyone and the reason why I'm constantly banging on about them uh, from the aspect of the oldest medium on the planet to uh, educational uh, um, the, the ability to educate people mm. is you know the connection. I think it was Scott McLeod or Neil Cohen. I can't remember. It was you know one of the academic guys. Mm. Uh, 
you know, basically any time you open up a brand new piece of furniture, you're reading a comic book in there. It comes with a comic book. No, the Ikea when, comics. Yeah. You know, <laughs> when you when you get your car, yeah. there is a comic book yeah. in the dashboard, yeah. you know. When you get in the plane. When you get in the plane. Just, just in case the whole thing come, comes to yeah. pieces. There's, there's your comic there's book. There's your comic book. It's going to save your life. <laughs> yes. You know, and it's, and it's so – and people just – there's no – they have this separation about mm. it. It's like, oh, that's not a comic book. Mm. It's an instructional mm. pamphlet. Mm. It's like, well, yeah, but really, you're looking at images and you're reading the text and you're melding them in your mind to impart information to you. Yeah. So if you look at it in any other way than a comic book, yeah. you're actually wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. You're wrong. I said it. You're wrong. You're wrong. And I happen to be right in this case. Yeah. 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 You know, yeah it's great. Um <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I have a big uh, you know this podcast just case in point really is just my affinity for the for the medium and I love it mm. and so I do always take offence when people look at me strangely mm. or and what are you doing that for well, that's weird isn't that for kids it's like yeah and adults and elderly people <laughs> go to Japan you know um, traveller trains yeah yeah, you know. yeah absolutely and you know and, and so the medium getting getting uh say richer over time and sure you're going to have your commercial whiz bang blah 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 you know coming out of america and some of that stuff's really good mm. um yeah and if you dig deeper you find some really remarkable work not only from the independent guys but you know from some of the smaller companies that are yeah. now starting to pop up which is amazing yeah it is amazing it is yeah. amazing and and what you think i suppose or hope is that you know and i suppose you know the this the glom press guys are are, are uh, um, an example of this. You know that that can should will happen here. You yeah. know, and, and uh, that those that the more local stories or stories from lo local creators um, will give us that uh, space to to develop the voice, the yeah. local voice, the local not vernacular of comics but certainly you know uh, um, you know there's already this really strong community of culture of, yeah. of people making making work which is amazing you, all you have to do is just go to some of the independent comic conventions yes. around they're smaller but damn there's a lot of good people yeah. working on on comics there that that you know over the last few years I've been enamored with it's like yeah. wow that's a great idea yeah you know that's yeah. a great idea you know what well, you know this is you know it's almost at the precipice of, yes. of this great thing that's yes. moving uh, towards yes. something greater. Yeah, yeah. And and this comes back to something that you and I have talked about quite often in the past, but this idea of the, 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 the finding some way of celebrating kids' comics more, you know, mm. comics by kids yeah. um, and and making a space or an anthology or a, or a, 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 a workshop or something like that mm. where the 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 kids, uh, I mean, I find most kids are up for drawing comics, but there are some kids for whom it's just like, oh my gosh, yeah. they're already there at ten, yeah, and um, to have a, a space where they can work and talk to older creators, but also to you know get feedback on their work, just to see themselves published, I think would be a, a fine and, and and so that's something I, I keep coming back to. As yeah, a, I think it's I think it's an amazing idea. I think you know I'm actually surprised that. Aside from let's say hundred story building, mm. um, and I think yeah, hundred story building yep. org. You know, aside from those guys, no one's really doing it. And you know, and they're they're based around storytelling. Yeah. And I think they've done a few workshops about with comics, but you know, not you know, let's let's get these young kids in and and make it like this beautiful garden, yeah, growing basically. and you know, recultivating and yeah. and getting more and more kids involved, not yeah. necessarily just reading, yeah. Because uh, you know, um, you know, most kids would love that, but giving them the opportunity to create something, Make. and and I think that that feedback, help, support of you know, okay, so why is this page not working? Wait a minute, mm. if we took this panel here and put it there, if we you know, like because um, they're they're as saying before, you know, they're complex pieces of equipment comics i mean they're complex to make you know yeah. as as you know just that process of breakdowns where you break down a story into okay these are the panels this is how they arrange on the page this is how they travel this is how they transition 
that's um, it's 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 big spatial sto- um, so problem solving yeah. sort of work. Yeah. So which is cool as well. Uh, Bernard, right. uh, thank you very, very much for coming in. We didn't even get to speak about half the stuff I wanted to ask you. <laughs> uh, so, so we'll have to uh, make another day Let's in do it the again. future and, yeah, great. Uh, and talk some more about uh, yes, cutting yes, comics yes, and, yes. Uh, and the, all that and kind of projects stuff. projects coming up. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> that would be nice. Great. <laughs> thank you very much, Bernard. Cheers, all right. And that's the end of this episode of Graphic Nature, the podcast. Thanks for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it. Please rate and review the show on whatever podcast service you use. It'll be uh, greatly appreciated. If you have any thoughts regarding the show, feel free to send an email to feedback at graphicnature.media. You can also catch the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. For more information about the show, you can also visit Graphic Nature on the web by typing into your handy web browser or search engine, graphicnature.media. Thanks again for listening, and uh, you'll hear more from us in a couple of weeks. Thanks a lot. Credits. Written, produced, and presented by Zoran Ilyevsky. Audio consultation, Dan Moore. Credits announcement, Simon Winkler. Audio excerpts of Senate Subcommittee on Juvenile Delinquency, Wortham versus Gaines on Decency Standards, used courtesy of New York City Municipal Archives. You've been listening to Graphic Nature, the podcast. <laughs>